Good morning, Gateway Church. We are a growing family after God's heart, and sometimes it happens. Family members hurt each other. My brother and I are pretty close, and his wife forwarded a Facebook post that he received last week on Monday morning after the big loss. Nothing like hitting a guy when he's down, all right? And his best friend out east sent him this post, and his name's Charlie. And when I got this post, I think, Charlie, come on, you're just not fair. It's not fair at all. Dad, what's the Super Bowl? I don't know, son. We're Vikings. <laughs> I thought, well, Charlie, that, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, he wasn't, that's not a very nice post, is it? And when he hurts, I hurt. And the real thing is that, is that I was his best friend, but I was telling Lauren, there isn't anyone at Gateway Church who would do something that low here. And if you have, we're going to have a time of confession, all right? We're going to talk about sin today. <laughs> and you can come to the altar and confess your sin, all right? Enough with that nonsense, right? It's time to move on. It's time to get into our study. We're back in the book of 1 John, entitled On the Grow and In the Know, Going Deep in Jesus. Last week, I told you up front what I believed the Lord wanted to do in your heart through his word. That was 1 John 2, verse 28 through chapter 3, verse 3. It was a word of encouragement. Remember that word? See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Here's the promise that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And the promise was this. This is a word of encouragement. Christ's likeness is more than just a possibility. It's a promise. Therefore, stop listening to the lies that beat you down and start believing the truth that builds you up. I love that word. It encouraged me. I thought about that often last week when I was starting to doubt what was going on in my own heart. And how I had failed the Lord. Now he brought me back to this promise. I'm doing a work in you, Paul. I haven't given up on you. Don't give up on yourself. It's a promise. That was last week, all right? Don't you wish that every single week that you came to church that you'd be encouraged? Hopefully you are in some Way, but in the word, every single word, I'm Sunday, I'm just kind of like built up and charged and ready to go. And then there are times when you come to church and you gather and you open up your, the Bible and the Lord brings a convicting word to your heart. It's a challenging word. He, he puts his finger on sin that is in your life that needs to be confessed, not about making fun of some Viking fan. That's all in fun. I mean, maybe it crosses some barriers, but... But there are times when it's like, Lord, wow, I open up this Bible, and it's like, 
It's piercing right to the heart of the matter. That's what's going to happen today. First John 3, verses 4 through 10. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. Basically saying it doesn't matter. You can walk in your sin. There's grace. It's not that big a deal. Don't be led astray with that kind of teaching. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Why is that? Because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. This is like a convicting word. It's like, let's go back to last week. Nor is anyone who does who does not love their brother and sister. Sin is any deliberate action, attitude, or thought that goes against God. Sin includes both things you shouldn't have done, but did. Those are sins of commission. And things you should have done, but didn't. Those are sins of omission. I circled in my Bible how many times John used the word sin in this passage. You can go back and do that. Verse 4, 5, 6, 8, and 9. Anyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Verse 5, so that he might take away our sins, and in him there's no sin. The one who does what is sinful, verse 8, is of the devil. Ten times I counted it. I circled the word sin in this passage in my Bible, counted it ten times. He's coming hard down. He's coming down hard on sin. It's a big deal. But who wants to talk about sin? When you even say the, say the word, you're perceived as some caveman <laughs> walking around with some big stick in his hand. It's like, we, we don't really talk about that anymore. We, we talk about mistakes. And, you know, I made a mistake. I have a weakness. Okay, well... Yes, so do I, but there are things in my life that the Holy Spirit's putting his finger on saying, you got to deal with this sin, this specific sin in your heart. Sinners who sin is why God came to earth. It's what put Jesus on the cross. It's why he shed his blood. It's what separates me from God. 
And I look around here, and I know that most of you are familiar with Romans chapter 7 and the struggle that Paul had with sin. Remember what he said? He said, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, that's what I do. What is going on with me? And he, he struggled with sin. And he didn't want that sin in his life. And he cried out to the Lord. Who will save me? Thanks be to God. Romans 8, power of the Spirit. But in 1 John, the, the, the passage that we just read, John is not talking about one who is struggling, but the one who knowingly, willingly, consciously, and deliberately makes the choice to sin, who justifies their sin, denies it, but down deep knows that something is wrong, but won't own it. Making excuses for his or her sin. In all my years of ministry and, and study, and this is just a personal observation that I have. I'm a simple man. Things have to be simple for me to understand them. There's like this list of sins in the Bible. I just can get overwhelmed with the list. And through the years in my study, I've said this before. I call, I call it the big four. Most of the sins fall under the category of these big four. Not all of them. But this is what we struggle with, folks, isn't it? Pride. There's no special order here. I just think that these four are the major ones. Anger. Lust. Unforgiveness. The big four. And who's behind these sins? It's the devil. We read about that. The majority of other sins are subcategories underneath these four. For example, hypocrisy is simply the fruit of pride, the root. Rage, outburst, is simply the fruit of anger, the root. All sexual sin, addiction to Pornography, adultery, fornication is the fruit of lust and sin of bitterness. Taking up offense, gossip, it's the fruit of unforgiveness, the big four. There's a quote that has stayed with me and this is the take home. This next phrase is what I want you to think about this week as the Holy Spirit would remind you of this word. 
I read this in a book, Finishing Strong, in a men's group. Remember Promise Keepers and the stadiums that were filled with men? I mean, that was pretty cool stuff back in the day. Steve Farr was a a guy that was one of the teachers, and he wrote in this book, I'll never forget what he said about sin. He said this, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. I never forgot that. Pride will take me farther than I want to go. Anger will keep you longer than you want to stay. Lust, unforgiveness will cost you more than you want to pay. It's the big four. It was about six years ago I got a call from one of my closest friends, Eric Faust. He's married to Judy. We became friends at, at Bible college. It's pretty cool. My, my son, Stefan, is back from, from school. He's at Crown. He's got two friends with him. And uh, he brought them home this weekend. And I didn't see them all day yesterday. They went to the pit, Hanky Pit. And played hockey and were skating all day long into the evening. It's going, these guys are crazy. They don't know how cold it is out there. Great kids. For three years at school, Eric and I and a bunch of other friends, we did life together. We had a lot of fun. I mean, wow, it was just a great time. I don't even know how I graduated, to be honest. We did life together. We talked about Jesus. We talked about our call, that we were called to be pastors. And that day came when, when I came here to, to Gateway and Eric went to his ministry. And we were so close that we were, we were groomsmen in each other's weddings. I stood up beside him when he got married to Judy, and he did the same for me. We did all these pranks. When each of our friends got married, there was a prank. You just knew it was coming. I'm not going to tell you some of the things that these guys did to me. I mean, it's like you wouldn't think that they're even Christian. (laughs) They snuck into my apartment. I mean, five pounds, a bag of bird seed, poured it in every drawer that I had with my clothes. And I, 10, 15 years later, I'm still finding bird seed in the drawer. In my suitcase, they fill, filled up every pocket I had with bird seed. All my underwear, my socks, it was just crazy. Oh, and I put a pair of socks on. Well, there's the bird seed. I put my hand in my pockets. There's the bird seed. I know these guys are just laughing the, the whole time on our honeymoon. Took the toothpaste out. You know, it's putting the toothpaste on the toothbrush. And it's like, 
what's going on here? I can't quite get it out. It's just like what? There's this green pellet on top of my toothbrush. I'm going, what is this? Gross. It was a green pellet of some kind. Rabbit pellet. Eric! I want to get you back! (laughs) Called and said, I got bad news. Can we talk? I talked to Eric this past week and asked him if I could share a little bit of his story and He said, I'm ready for the story to be told. I want God to get all the glory. What God did in my life, in my marriage. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. Cost you more than you want to pay. Prior to the call, Eric was in ministry, but not any longer. I knew something had happened, but I didn't know what. He let his heart wander. He got, he got nicked in the ministry. He allowed a little compromise to set in. And then he got all tangled up, caught in the spider web of sin. And you see his sin move past the struggle Stage in Romans 7. He got into Romans or into 1 John 3 here. Struggled with lust. And he willfully, consciously, deliberately convinced himself that I can go here. He committed adultery was in a relationship with another woman and was minutes away from walking away from his marriage and his family. But he came to his senses. It's just a powerful story. Because there's redemption. If you got in that cycle right there and you went further than you wanted to go and you paid more than you wanted to pay, there's still grace and forgiveness. It's costly. He was suffering the consequences of his sin. He was out of the ministry. He lost most of everything that he had. And now he was clinging to Jesus and his wife he had reconciled and his kids trying to rebuild his broken world. And he's in California, and he's talking to me, and he's saying, will you pray? I need you to pray for me. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. Talked a little longer, and as we talked, my heart was just... breaking for my friend Judy I just blurted out I said come to Elk River and, and start over 
come. Get in that U-Haul that you have and just drive to Elk River. We'll figure it out together. He and Judy and his family, two sons, moved in with us. I think I asked Deanna permission. (laughs) She said, by all means. They spent a year and a half in our home. And we witnessed a miracle. Transformation was taking place before our very eyes. God was rebuilding their marriage and family. Eric needed a job. I met with my friend, Chris Carlson, who owns Sport Tech. I said, Chris, I got a friend. He needs a job. He said, he starts on Monday. Bring him in. He had a job. He started on the floor of Sport Tech, swinging huge sheets of plastic on the table. And we joked, every morning Eric would leave. He was leaving for his job. I was leaving for my job. And we had this little joke. I don't know if I ever told Chris, but we called it the quarry. It's like the Flintstone thing, all right? Off to the quarry, and he was like, he was working hard. Getting a great workout every day. He, he worked hard on the floor, and it wasn't long, and he moved up. And at the end of his tenure, he was managing a department, receiving great reviews. And he was so appreciative of the opportunity. He and Judy were getting back on their feet. They went to counseling, regaining the trust that had been betrayed. They moved out of our, our house, got an apartment in St. Michael, and all, the, all that time they were coming to Gateway Church, just quietly coming, receiving unconditional love and grace from you, Judy worked as Pastor Joel's assistant, trained Stacy to take her place. What a beautiful woman she is. The gracious, loving, and forgiving heart. Eric's a gifted teacher. I mean, really, he could out-preach me any day of the week, hands down. And he, he thought, uh, that'll never happen again in my life. I'm, I'm done with that. He went through this long period of time, many years of just reconciling and restoring and going through all of the proper steps in the alliance. He did it. Then a position opened up at a Bible college where he could head up the online department in a Bible college in Simpson in California. And he just didn't know what he should do, but that was in his heart. He wanted to teach again. Listen, he's teaching New Testament history or New Testament studies. He got his master's degree 
He's working on his doctorate. That's God's amazing grace and forgiveness. The last stop they made when they left Elk River was Gateway Church. He came broken. He left whole. Because God's seed remained in his heart, verse 9. You can't go on sinning. If you're a child of God, God's, God's going to put his convicting work in your heart. It's just a matter of time. He was miserable. He repented. What about you? And me? Are we justifying our sin, our anger? Do we say, I deserve and have the right to be angry, you know? Have you convinced yourself that it's okay to dabble with just a little pornography? I deserve, after all, a little release here. The warning is, beware. We're moving past Romans 7 into 1 John 3. Maybe you're, maybe you're in over your head. A stronghold has a grip on your heart. You're addicted to some sin. Talk to someone. Do something. Get an accountability partner. Don't wait for someone to call you. Today, get some help. Maybe you got to come to Tony's class on Tuesdays. Transformation recovery. You can't win the battle alone. Listen. If the internet is too much of a temptation, listen. Go on a 21-day fast. Not from food. From the internet. Only use technology for work. That's it. 21 days, I challenge you. Get off of all social media. If you get struggle, if you get tripped up, do something. 21 days. Say, I'm going to find an accountability partner. I'm pulling away. Make a covenant with my eyes. I'm going to put a program on my computer. Someone's going to know every place that I go to. I'm serious about this. Because sin will what? Take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, keep you longer than you want to stay. Eric would go, I, I didn't need to, I didn't have to do that. I, I paid the price. You don't have to pay the price.
going to conclude. It's a convicting word, isn't it, today? I asked Deanna to come. I'm going to do something different today. She doesn't know this because I just got the idea right now. I think it's the Spirit. What are you struggling with, folks? The big four. Which one? What do you need to confess to God? What do I need to confess? We close with prayer. I'm going to ask that we would just bow our heads, if you will, and just find that quiet place with the Lord. ask Deanna just to start to sing this song, Lord, I need you. Just a cappella. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Come to the Lord. She sings. Just pray. Seek the Lord. Thank you, God. Verse 2.
Once again, I need you. Oh, sing it out to the Lord. you for your grace, your forgiveness. Lord, thank you that you'll confront the sin in my life. You won't leave me alone, God. You know that it's a dead-end street, that it just produces death in us. Lord, you know we struggle. Help us in our struggle. Today, do that work in our hearts. We say yes to you. We don't, we don't turn you away, God. We don't rationalize. We don't make excuses. We're done with that, Lord. We confess. You're our advocate. Wash us, cleanse us. Tomorrow is a new day. Help us. Call someone. Do something, Lord. Holy Spirit, make a way. You're our one defense, Jesus. You're our righteousness, Jesus. You're our only hope, Jesus. Thank you, God. Be the lifter of our heads. Encourage us with the convicting word today. It's a good word. It will bring forth life for your glory. All of God's people said, amen, amen. Please stand with me. The Lord bless you. You are dismissed. Amen.